0: I'm Ralph Meyer with Meyer Farms in San Marcos, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today.
1: This is Texas Ag Today, the number one source for the latest news in Texas agriculture. The largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State covers it all. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here's today's top stories. The
2: biannual cattle inventory report is coming out on Wednesday. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show.
3: Animal health is important no matter what species you are raising. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today... We'll talk about some issues involving medicine for sheep and goats.
4: The American Farm Bureau Convention wrapped up in Salt Lake City with several policy victories for Texas. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have that story coming up.
1: Now, here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello Texas,
2: why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. Be sure to hold on tight because it all starts right now. Twice a year, USDA releases the Cattle Inventory Report, which gives us an idea of the size of the U.S. cattle herd and breaks it down into categories such as the number of steers and heifers, mama cows and dairy cows. Oklahoma State University Livestock Economist Darrell Peel says, one thing everyone is looking for is the number of bred heifers and heifers held back as replacements.
4: Going forward in 2024, there's a good chance that both of these categories will also be smaller again for this year, which means that we're probably not bringing a lot of bred heifers into 2024, and we may not have a, a lot of heifers out there that we have already saved to breed. So this whole question of when we start trying to rebuild or or at least stop
2: liquidating the herd is still very much up in the air. The report will come out this coming Wednesday, January 31st. Researchers at the Texas A&M University Vet School have been awarded more than a half million dollars to study sterility in horses.
5: According to the school, the $640,000 grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture will be used to examine a diverse group of about 100 sterile horses, studying abnormalities that affect their reproductive capabilities. The university says studying the abnormalities will give equine scientists and veterinarians vital information for giving care and treatment advice to horse owners. They say the project will allow them to properly diagnose the abnormalities in the future and enable veterinarians to give horse owners a definitive answer regarding whether a horse is capable of reproduction so they don't spend valuable time and resources on reproductive therapies. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domal.
2: We are constantly hearing about the need to bring more young people into production agriculture. One group helping to support that is the Texas Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Committee. Morgan Hodges raises cattle, sheep, and goats in Sterling County, and she's the current vice chair of the committee.
6: You know, it's really the biggest thing has been the relationships that I've gained from this program. Um, I've been able to make friends with people all the way at the top of Texas to the bottom of Texas and all the way to the East Texas. And being able to leave my small, wonderful community um, for different times in the year and getting to connect with these people and figure out, you know, what are they doing on their operations in East Texas or what are they doing in their career down in South Texas is really, um, has really helped broaden my horizons and has not only helped improve myself as a person, but has helped improve my husband and I's business as well.
2: If you'd like to get more information on the Texas Young Farmer and Rancher Committee, check out texasfarmbureau.org. Animal health is important no matter what species you're raising. James Hunt looked at some issues involving medicine for sheep
3: and goats. With a growing interest in sheep and goats in the Texas high plains, this week we've been hearing from Pippa Gibbons of the Texas Tech School of Veterinary Medicine in Amarillo. Yesterday, she offered some advice on how to put together a healthy herd or flock. Continuing on with that theme, today we talk about medications for small ruminants. As Dr. Gibbons explains, there's a bit of a challenge there.
6: At this current time, we do not have over-the-counter antibiotics. And in small ruminants, we don't have many prescription labels. So it says sheep and goat on the label. And that means we're going to have to use what's called extra-label drug use. So we use typically cattle drugs in order to treat our small ruminants. If we do that, we have to be prescribed by a veterinarian. And so in order to, for a veterinarian to prescribe, a drug, they have to have what's called a veterinarian client-patient relationship or a VCPR. And so that means that that veterinarian is familiar with the animals on that branch or farm and then can prescribe drugs. So building the relationship with a veterinarian is absolutely key for maintaining a healthy flock or herd.
3: But when you talk about drugs being not as readily available as they would be, say, for bovines, what's behind that? Why, why is there, a, a, say, a limitation, a small availability, what have you?
6: So small ruminants are not considered a major food producing species in the U.S. and it's really expensive to bring a drug to market and therefore most of the pharmaceutical companies will not spend the money to market a drug for a really small subsect of their market essentially something to
3: have in mind if you're considering getting into the sheep or goat business once again our guest was dr pippa gibbons she's an associate professor of food animal medicine with the texas tech vet school in amarillo i'm james hunt on the texas farm bureau radio network
2: the american farm bureau convention wrapped up in salt lake city this week with several policy victories for texas gary joiner has this wrap up from the convention
4: I'm in Salt Lake City at the annual meeting of the American Farm Bureau Federation, and I'm pleased to be joined by the president of the Texas Farm Bureau, Russell Bainey of Wilson County. Several resolutions from Texas considered by the delegates today and several stamps of approval.
7: Yes, sir, Gary. We had, uh, we had several regarding uh, uh, different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a U.N. Uh, resolution uh, that we tweaked a little bit once we got up here and uh, just try to uh, impress upon, we got policy now that I think we can impress upon the UN and their food and agricultural sector of, of the UN to, that uh, really they're getting out of their lane when they're starting to make dietary uh, and, and food recommendations for, for different countries. And uh, you know different sectors of agriculture were definitely affected by that
4: of interest uh, there were some resolutions regarding poultry contract poultry production yes, water along the rio grande uh, river areas so, some things of a wide range of scope but all those are important to farmers and ranchers
7: yeah well, they were important and very important some of our producers as well you mentioned poultry uh we we had a poultry producer up here with us as a delegate and uh, he did a good job of presenting what was needed in the poultry industry what he feels like is needed and uh, it passed overwhelmingly uh, we have, of course, there's poultry produced all over the South, especially. And uh, so that, that resolution went through. Uh, of course, the, the, the water that you referenced, uh, uh, the treaty that we have with Mexico, uh, that quite frankly, uh, they haven't been honoring. And uh, they're, they're, they are uh, obligated to release so and so much water uh, yearly, and they haven't been doing it. And uh, so and it's been affecting our growers in the Rio Grande Valley. And so it's something that's, um, you know, near and dear to us, so to speak even resolutions regarding the release
4: of balloons and we know how dangerous that can be for livestock if those get out in the country uh
7: that could kill an animal that's right you know it, it seems kind of when you when you think about it you say well you know that's just a balloon that's floating across across the fields but uh if an animal uh uh you know ingests that and uh, uh it goes into their stomach it can cause serious issues and like you said in the end it can cause death
4: this is described as a grassroots policy process it really is that
7: no doubt. You know, every one of these policies that we adopted today started off at the county. Started on the county level, of course, goes through the state process, goes through a resolutions process at AFBA at American Farm Bureau, and then comes here. And then, and then the folks that represent the grassroots have the, uh, have the ability to amend, to change, uh, and at the end of the day, to accept or reject. And uh, so it, it really is, it, it really is very refreshing. Uh, to know that this policy is is something that started at that level and continues that way all the way through the process
4: texas does have a strong voice on the delegate floor there were 346 voting delegates texas seats 29 of them about eight percent of the delegates on the floor so texas has a chance really to influence
7: national policy positions that is correct gary and you know we. Uh, uh, delegates, your delegate count is based on your on your state membership, and we're fortunate enough to have a have large state membership. But uh, we're not the largest, but we're right there at the top, and uh, you know it it, it 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 gives us a lot of. Uh, a, a, a lot of influence, but it also gives us a lot of responsibility, and it's and it's good to work with other states. You know, sometimes we'll have a I have a smaller state that doesn't have uh, the uh, the delegate count that we do, and they'll come to us and say, "Hey, this is really important to us." And you know, if it if it's something that's important to them, and maybe actually has no effect on us, why wouldn't we support them? goes back to that grassroots it came from there you know it came from their state it came from one of their counties and uh, so it's it's good to work with those folks in that matter.
4: You've been in Salt Lake City maybe for almost a week now how are things back home what does the country look like and uh, how are things at the
7: Banning farm? Well I really appreciate that that question because when I left home it was very very dry and uh, I did talk to my brother a couple of times over the last uh, couple of days we did get an inch of rain a couple of days ago uh, it's it's not enough forever, but it's greatly appreciated at this time and I understand we have a chance again. So we're doing well. Uh, We're looking forward in in South Texas to be planting in three or four weeks, uh, so the rain will be welcome. Look ahead to 2024. What are you hoping for to have a successful year? Well, again, weather's always weather's always one of the biggest uh, things that we deal with in agriculture. Uh, like I mentioned, we got moisture, good moisture, uh, favorable weather. Uh, you know, those are the things that, that, of course, you can't control. So those are the things that you have to hope and pray for. And uh, so those things happen. And then the rest of it is just a good, you know, uh, a productive year. Uh, everyone working together, everyone staying safe. And uh, we go forward from there. That's Russell Banning, president of the Texas Farm Bureau. I'm Gary
4: Joyner in Salt Lake City at the annual meeting of the American Farm Bureau Federation for the TFB Radio Network.
5: Snapping a photo of your fish or sending in a scale can help improve bass fishing in Texas. I'm Jessica Domel and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today.
2: And many senior horses have arthritic symptoms at this time of year. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up.
1: These stories, plus a look at the markets are straight ahead on Texas Ag Today.
5: National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th. A week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA President Amara Jackson from Michigan. What better way to show your support of FFA members than to get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during Hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the
1: 24th. Keeping Texas farmers and ranchers informed for over two decades, this is Texas Ag Today on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Many senior-aged horses have arthritic symptoms at this very cold time of year. Dr. Bob Judd says there are some things you can do to help keep them more comfortable.
0: Horses are great at hiding pain as they are prey animals. Although the horse might not be visibly lame, you may see some behavioral changes, such as being slower to come in to eat or difficulty lying down and getting up. In fact, many senior horses are afraid to lie down for fear they cannot get up and since they cannot lie down and sleep well, they can undergo sleep deprivation. Dr. Kyla Artved indicates in the horse publication that exercise is critical for older horses to maintain muscle tone. Many of these horses do not want to move because of the arthritis, and this causes their muscles to atrophy, which further decreases their ability to move. Because of this, medication to control arthritis pain is indicated. These horses need to be on a healthy diet that is not too high in protein or carbohydrates, as increased protein can affect the kidneys, and increased carbohydrates can cause weight gain, which can lead to laminitis in some horses. A warm-up is good for these horses prior to exercise, including stretching and walking and trotting over ground poles and cavaletti. As far as supplements, there are hundreds to choose from, and most have no studies to support their use. Injectable adequin is approved in a horse for arthritis and is effective, so this would be my first choice, as there are no side effects in most cases. Other options for pain are phenylbutazone, Prevacox, acetaminophen, and pregabalin. If a specific joint is involved, injecting the joint with cortisone or other products can be helpful. However, it is important to realize that cortisone can lead to laminitis in some horses, so we have to be careful injecting horses that are overweight or have Cushing's disease. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.
2: Snapping a photo of your fish or sending in a scale can help improve bass fishing in Texas. Jessica Domel tells how in today's Wildlife Report.
5: If you catch a largemouth bass that weighs more than 8 pounds, you can play a role in bass management and improvement in Texas. Natalie Goldstrom, Toyota Sherlunker Program Coordinator, joins us with more.
8: If our anglers are out there fishing public waters in Texas, and they happen to catch bass that's eight pounds or heavier, or twenty-four inches or longer, they can take a couple pictures of them measuring their fish or weighing their fish, and submit it into the Shellunker Program. We have both an app and a website. That information is all going to our fisheries biologists, and we make sure that it qualifies for the criteria of being a Shellunker bass, so that eight pounds or twenty-four inches. And then our management biologists use it information when they're making stocking decisions, requesting fingerlings for a particular reservoir to get restocked. All your information is all being shared and is being used to try to make the best trophy bass fisheries in a reservoir so that we can.
5: Anglers can also help out by submitting a DNA sample from their largemouth bass.
8: There's a lot going on in that 8 to 13 pound range that we want to learn more about. And so that's where we're calling to action to our anglers when they're submitting their Sherylunker bass. But they take that extra 10 to 15 seconds to take some scale samples off their fish and mail them into our geneticists. This data is so important to us. That we're actually incentivizing people to send it in so our anglers that do send in genetic samples will be eligible for additional prizes
5: additional details are available at texassharelunker.com that is texassharelunker.com for the texas farm bureau radio network i'm jessica Domel.
1: we'll check the markets coming up next on texas ag today
2: National FFA Week is February 17th through the 24th, a week set aside for FFA students across the country to share how FFA impacts members every day. I'm National FFA Secretary Grant Norfleet from Missouri. What better way to show your support of FFA than to
8: get involved in FFA Week? Whether it's in person, on the phone, or via social media, be sure to share your FFA stories during hashtag FFA Week, February 17th through the 24th.
1: Here's the latest market information on Texas Ag Today. There wasn't a lot of movement in the
2: cattle futures market on Thursday throughout most of the session. However, in the last hour of trading, things exploded to the upside. We put about $2 on the live cattle market, a big $4 jump in feeder cattle. February, live cattle up 237, closing at 177.72. The April up 235 at 180.70. June live cattle up 215, 177.60. The big gains coming in feeders. Now, the nearby January contract, it's about to go off the board. It was up only 20 cents. It closed at 232.02, but the deferreds up big time. March feeder cattle up 440 at 238.17. The April up 412.00 at $243.92. Cash-fed cattle trade seeing some sales around at $174 to $175. That's $1 to $2 higher compared to last week. Boxed beef was mixed on Thursday choice down $166, dollars 84 with select up $0.68, dollars Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking
9: the pens with Larry Marble. We're on the line with Benny Cox from producers in Cargyle, San Angelo. Benny, you had a sheep and goat sale Tuesday. How did it go? Well, we got back closer to normal. We had sixty four, sixty three, which is not a big number for, you know, this time of the year. I'd say it's close to average. Uh, of course, you know, the last few weeks we've kind of starved these people for, for numbers and the market's just been crazy, exaggerated, I guess. Right. Um, but we got back down closer to the plum. Um, these slaughter lambs, they fell off twenty to thirty bucks of the slaughter used, kinda of ten to fifteen lower. Uh, kid goes for fifteen to thirty higher. They're just uh, they're on fire. Uh Slaughter Danny's, they sold good, one hundred six to two dollars, mostly one fifty to one sixty-six. That's below what we saw, you know, before we shut down or the last couple of weeks. Uh slaughter billies from 190 all the way to 261. Looking at these slaughter lambs, light into those from two thirty all the way up to three twenty-six. Your heavier weights from two twenty to 290 Slaughter ewes eighty to one twenty seven, but mostly ninety to one fourteen. Kid goes. They sold in a range from two fifty all the way up to four hundred forty. Some of those you know with that 440 or so laid up in there in the 50s I'm, i feel pretty certain that they went kill uh but the majority of them sell 347 to 382 with some of those bigger kids all the way up to 485. how much moisture have you had during the week you know it didn't amount to much here they were kind of planning on it to be or talking about it being bigger i think two or three tenths around here and as you get east of here not very far it, it picked up um it's actually uh, real foggy here today so it's it's just kind of hanging in there i bet the wheat really likes it A lot I bet it does. Well, Benny, tell everybody how to get a hold of you. They can call me my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. Office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. Benny, thank you very much. Sir, sure. Bye-bye. Neighbor, of course, that was Benny Cox from Producers and Cargile San Angelo. You've been listening to Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. You're doing so right now on Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry.
2: Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs finished higher on Thursday. February hogs up 40 cents, 74.30. April up 52 at 82.55. Class 3 milk was higher. Nearby January contract up 4 cents, 15.22. With February milk up 23, 15.81 100 weight. Cotton market was mixed. The nearby's higher, deferred contracts lower. We got the weekly export sales report released on Thursday morning. Bit of a letdown after last week's report. This week's report showed net sales of 207,000 bales. That's versus last week's 425,000. March cotton up 36 points, 85.76. The May up 38 at 86.98. December new crop cotton down 5 points eighty-one fifteen. The corn market drifted lower in a quiet trade March corn down a half 451 and three quarters May corn down one and a quarter 461 and a quarter with September corn down one and three quarters 473 and a half wheat market finishing higher in fact both hard and soft wheat were higher with hard wheat leading the way up March Kansas City wheat up 11 and a quarter, 637 a bushel, new crop July up three and three quarters, 633. The gains weren't nearly as big on soft wheat in Chicago. March was up one and a half, 612 and a quarter with new crop July up one and a quarter, 627 and a half. In the energy markets, February natural gas down 6 cents at 257. March West Texas crude oil up 215, 77,27 a barrel. The financial market's slightly higher. Thursday afternoon, the Dow was up 122 points, 37,928. The NASDAQ unchanged 15,486. The S&P up 14 at 4,883. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., texas agriculture
1: thanks for joining us for texas ag today be sure to follow the texas ag today podcast found wherever you listen to podcasts for more texas farm and ranch news check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com texas ag today is a production of the texas farm bureau radio network